I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Leanne Spencer and welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. This week is a very special episode. I'm recording this about three days after I get back from an incredible experience up in the Scottish Highlands. And actually I'm recording this and I'm looking at a big pile of stuff that I'm going to be packing again to head up back to the Highlands to do the rat race coast to coast tomorrow at time of recording. So by the time you listen to this, that also will be done and in the bag. But firstly, to the experience I've just come back from, and it was the Bear Grylls Extreme Five Day Survival Challenge up in well, deepest, darkest Highlands, really. It was at least one hour to get a mobile phone signal from when we left on Monday when I completed the course. So yeah, that's the spoiler. I completed it, but I want to just record a little bit about the experience because I learned so much of this experience. It was absolutely fantastic. Grueling, tough, difficult, uncomfortable, disgusting at times in terms of just the horrible sleeping under the stars under this tiny little emergency shelter that clung to you like a shower curtain. It was it, it really was horrible at times, but very conscious having said all that and, and to be saying everything I'm about to say to you. One of the overwhelming feelings I had throughout this experience was in fact gratitude. And that perhaps sounds a little bit cliched, but it really was because we have paid for this experience and it was a great privilege to be out there with some other really tough people, finding out how we could perform against the adversity, being within nature in this stunningly beautiful, quiet, peaceful place. And of course, that is just a very tiny snapshot of time for us, whereas there are other people that have to endure that kind of stuff on a more consistent basis. So gratitude was one of the overwhelming feelings that I had throughout this experience. But there were moments, of course, that if you'd reminded me of that, I might have said something sharp to you. But um, let's start with why I wanted to do this. And it's something I explore in the episode I did with Spencer Locker, which we'll link to in the show notes. What is it that makes people want to go back to basics and put themselves into these kind of survival situations? And I think one of the things that Spencer and I were talking about, and a thought that I still have, is that we don't get tested in a very primeval way anymore. I think we're tested in terms of how much email can we endure, how many hours can we work, and all this kind of stuff. But we don't particularly get tested in terms of what what we can endure And that was something I really wanted to explore. You know, what can I put up with? What can I endure? And some of that came from the Arctic Circle race experience. That's an episode uh, that I'll link to as well. The Arctic Circle race is the world's toughest ski race. And my partner Antonio and I completed that at the beginning of April. It's a three-day self-sufficient cross-country ski race in Greenland. And I found on day one, if any of you listened to that podcast episode would know, very, very difficult. I found that my mental endurance was really wanting. You know, I struggled. I had anxiety all day. I had a meltdown after meltdown at certain stretches. I found it really, really difficult. And one of the things I did is sort of self-sabotage by 
taking this long kind of endurance event. And it goes the same for a day in the Bear Grylls experience. You know, it's, it's a long day and you're cold, shivery, uncomfortable and hungry, which I'll, all of which I'll, I'll come to talk about. And it, you definitely have to endure it. You have to grit in and you can't think, well, in five days time I'll be finished because you've got four nights to put up with and five days of nonstop activity and rescue scenarios. So you have to chunk it down. And that's what I didn't do in the Arctic Circle race. I looked to the bigger finish. And you just can't afford to do that. I would also guesstimate the next stretch is 32 kilometers, for example. I reckon we're about halfway. And you're not. You're always perhaps a third of the way. You're never exactly where you think you are. So when you get around the corner where you believe the water station is going to be and it's not there, meltdown. Yeah, it's best not to guess. It's just to chunk it into really, really small little bites and then tick them off, check them off as you go. So that was one thing I wanted to practice, particularly given we've got the coast to coast coming up, which is 105 miles from the east to the west coast of Scotland, primarily on a bike, but mainly on or partly on foot and partly in a kayak. And I have a meltdown at the same point every time at the, the end of the, the day one and the long bike ride and the endless rolling hills ahead. And I'm determined to not let that happen this time. It's crazy because I've done it three times. So I know what's coming and I know when it's coming. And I'm really impressed with the way that I endured across the Bear Grylls experience. You know, spirits were very high. Positivity was there. I had two moments of, oh, God, this is tough. But there was no meltdown. Spirits didn't drop very much. So I'm really chuffed about that. And that's the reason why I wanted to do this, really. I was really keen to do something to put myself to the test. And I was really lucky to get my oldest friend, Adam, to come along with me. He was actually pretty keen. I really couldn't get very many people excited about this, but he's the one I really wanted because of all that shared childhood experiences I've known all my life. So we signed up and basically the structure of the course is this. It's five days and four nights. You get up there on the Thursday and you go straight to the lodge. It's a long drive from the little village called Bonner Bridge where we met people. And it's myself and 10 other guys. So three instructors, one of which is female. So unfortunately, very geared towards males. I did expect that that would probably be the case, though I hadn't given a lot of thought to the gender split. But I was quite surprised that there weren't any other women. And we get out to the lodge. And you're basically put through a number of different tests. So some of them are physical. So you'll be abseiling or commando crawling across a rope, for example. But you're taught a lot of stuff as well. You're taught to gut and skin animals for survival and for food. You're taught to filter and purify water using natural resources and anything you could scavenge or bring with you if you were going into a remote area. We did foraging. We learned a bit about plants. There aren't many you can eat actually in the Scottish Highlands. We learned rope skills. We learned to use a knife. We learned to tie knots. We learned to do astro navigation as well. Although on that particular evening, it was very, very cloudy. And also we were in our first sleeping out in the open scenario. So no one was concentrating that hard on the astro navigation, but lots of lessons. So it's an educational experience, but it is also a test. And as I'll come to explain on the last night and the last day, you're put to the ultimate test by effectively left on your own to see how you can self-rescue. So that was the format of it. Across that, you're allowed to bring snacks or rather they don't ban you from doing so, but you're not encouraged to do so. I did bring some biscuits and some chocolate just to supplement anything we were given. And in hindsight, I'm really grateful for that because you've got a 24-hour ration pack that last you for the five days. So you could supplement with your own bits and pieces if you liked, especially in the first four days before the self-rescue scenario. But they also supplemented a little bit with, for example, we were given a couple of hairs. So when we did the demonstration on how to gut and skin a hair, 
we were then able to take that with us and cook it as you would hope, you know, we don't want that meat to be wasted. And then they gave us a bonus hair as well, which we gutted and, and skinned. And so we had two hairs that took two and a half hours to cook on our makeshift fire, but they went down very nicely because that's pretty much all we had. And other than that, we didn't get anything until the self-rescue scenario where we were given three different RV points and there were caches, stores basically of a surprise in each of those. But I'll come to that in a second. Here are my thoughts on the beginning and also the end of what I'm calling day two. So it's the morning of day two. Uh, We got here about three o'clock yesterday. We're in the remotest lodge in the whole of Scotland except we're not sleeping in a lodge. We're in a tent in the valley. I mean, it is stunningly beautiful. I'm in quite good spirits now because we've just done a 45-minute PT session which started at 7am. So it was actually quite a quiet night in the tent. There's 10 men and me. Seemed like a really nice bunch. And actually, given the number of men in a tent, or people in a tent, surprisingly quiet night. So spirits were pretty good. We've just done the PT, which has warmed us up and got the blood moving so I'm feeling pretty good I happen to know because one of the instructors checked with me that I was happy to strip down to undies because we're all going to be stripping down to our undies and crossing a river later on so I happen to know that's what we're doing and yeah I'm fine with that I don't think it's going to be we're going to be out long enough for anyone to have much of a look at each other because it is pretty cold but so far so good I'm not sure what else the day will hold but I'll come back to you a bit later and give you an update. But yeah, it's pretty frugal living, I will say that. And I think the course is about to ramp up quite considerably from here, but so far so good. So um, we're coming to the end of day two. We've been up since seven and it's now 7.30pm. We've done navigation, map reading, taking a bearing, that kind of stuff. We have looked at how to filter and purify water and built our own water filter, which was wicked. What else do we do after that? Oh, we just packed Loma so much in. We then were taken up into the woods and given an hour and a half to build a camp and then told we were going to sleep in it tonight. So no sleeping bags, no sleeping bag liners. We are literally huddled up under this makeshift lean-to that we've built, which actually we're really chuffed with. It looks really wicked. We've put loads of ferns on the ground and loads of ferns on the roof and it will be pretty warm and dry, I think. Might be a, a little bit of a cuddle up for us. I think any inhibition about being too close to people might be shattered tonight because it's really not that warm. We've just had uh, a lesson in how to skin gut and skin a rabbit, which I uh, appreciate isn't for everyone's taste, but that's what we were shown how to do. And we've been given the rabbits to eat tonight on the fire that we're going to have to build now. And one of the instructors, Anna, has actually taken the rabbit's skin to clean them off to make a hat. So every bit of that animal has been used, which pleases me and perhaps you as well. And then we have another lesson about 9.30pm on astro-navigation, which I know nothing about and nothing about the stars, so I'm less excited about that. But And after that, we go to bed in our makeshift lean-to. And tomorrow, I believe it's the mountaineering, so it's rappelling, abseiling, river crossing, Tyrolean rope crossing, a whole ton of really action-packed stuff, but a lot of getting wet. So anyway, that's the end of day two almost. Having a really good time, actually. Great group, enjoying it, learning loads of stuff. It is tough out here. It's pretty, well, brutal, perhaps an exaggeration, but it's tough. But yeah, all good. I will um, come back tomorrow morning, let you know what sort of sleep we've had under the stars. So day three was Saturday and this was a really, really fun day. We went on a big yomp. So basically we put our packs on our backs and we were taught navigation skills. 
So we, we were taught to use a map, to use a compass to take a bearing and also to identify coordinate points and then yomp to those points and regroup. So we had an RV rendezvous, RV point one, RV two, RV three and so on. And it actually took us up a pretty steep hill. At the beginning of that day, we needed to get across the river. So we, in true Bear grill style, stripped down to our underwear, put our stuff into a dry bag in our rucksacks, the clothes we wanted to keep dry, kept our shoes on, waded across the river. And as soon as we got out of our depth, just hands on the rucksack, using that as a buoyancy aid and swimming across as quickly as we could. So this particular stretch of river had been chosen because it was fairly calm, obviously very, very cold. And it did give you the opportunity to sort of wade in. It wasn't deep from the off because there were a couple of slightly weaker swimmers. So that was a lot of fun. But then you get to the other side and you dry off as quickly as you can, get your dry clothes back on. You had wet boots and wet shoes for the whole duration of the course. There was no opportunity to dry your boots out. And I didn't walk through a doorway for five days. You had no opportunity to go in anywhere and get anything dry until the finish of the course. So we then yomped up to our highest point and we had to navigate back to a gorge that was fairly near our lodge. So we were quite excited because we're walking back towards the lodge and we come down, find our RV point and we drop into a gorge. And this gorge was absolutely beautiful, really stunning. It's a really nice day as well. And they told us that we were going to have a load of fun. And indeed we did. So we climbed up this gorge from the bottom to the top, getting your feet a bit wet. And the first thing you do is a commando crawl. And you might have seen this on something like SAS Who Dares Wind. It's a thick coil of rope that's at about head height. And it's going slightly upward across across a bit of a ravine, but nothing much. You know, you're only ever about 12 foot, if that, from the ground. And the idea is that you get on this rope and you're lying on it, on, on your chest and your, your legs. So you're lying on this rope with one leg, your foot's across the rope, and then you've got your hands forward. And you push with your foot and pull with your arms to shuffle yourself across this rope. And this was absolutely wicked. I went first. It's one thing I hadn't done before. And I was a little bit like, mm, I've not done this before. Will I be up for it? Absolutely nailed it. Got across there. Loved it. Everyone else, most people got across. There were a few people who were a bit broken from the hike. There were very different levels of fitness. Then we were roped in for safety on this occasion. And then you climb up a near vertical slope using predominantly your upper body and a rope, but also your legs for support. Then we did something called a Tyrolean rope crossing, which is where you are harnessed in and the rope is above you and your back is facing the direction of travel with your arms overhead, just pulling yourself along. That was a lot of fun. And then you finish it with an abseil, which was about when I sort of peaked, really. I, I wasn't my best in the abseil. I didn't want to land in the water, which is what they wanted us to do. And they said, well, you can land on the dry stone over there if you want. But I missed it and fell in the water anyway. And then you're back down the gorge and back to base. Now, we were delighted to get back to base. By this point, we're looking at our third evening because the night before we'd slept in a makeshift shelter. And this Oh, it's hard to describe. I mean, we built an amazing shelter, first and foremost. Some of the guys who are a little bit more into engineering, they designed this really cool shelter using really stable bits of wood. Those of us who weren't so able or just weren't needed in terms of the design and build of it, were going off and getting ferns for the floor, ferns for the roof of this shelter and padding it on the sides with loads and loads of ferns. It looked absolutely wicked. Sleeping in it, however, was another matter. And we were all a bit apprehensive about this just because it looked like it was going to be a cold night. And the other issue is that even though this shelter was built as big as we could build it on the surface area we had, it looked like it was going to be a squeeze for 11 people. 
Two guys immediately said, well, we have to sub-shelter because one had a cough and didn't want to wake everyone else. The other one had a bad back and needed to turn over in the night and there was no way you're going to be able to do that. So the, the rest of us slept in a sort of spoons in a row of nine. It's quite funny. I'd said, you know, I really want to be at the end with Adam behind me, if that's all right, or me behind Adam. And about half an hour into the evening, I started to think, mm, and I told Adam, give me a bit of space and you know, I don't want to be too squashed. Half an hour later, I'm saying to Adam, you can you can just put your arm there if you want. We'll get a bit of warmth. And half an hour after that, I was saying to him, if you want to come over here and have a bit of a cuddle, that's fine. An hour later, we're, you couldn't get a £10 note between us. We're absolutely manacled together. It was freezing. We've got no blankets, no sleeping bag, by the way. We are just lying in our four layers of mid-layer, base-layer coat and fleece or whatever we've got putting all your trousers on so you've got your uh, thermals and then you've got your hiking trousers and you've got your waterproofs on top of that as well just to get as much warmth as you can and halfway through then I, I would have happily gone in the middle of these guys just for the body warmth so it was quite funny and they did tease me about that here are my thoughts that morning though after I've woken up in that lean-to so it's the beginning of day three and we've just woken up in our makeshift lean-to but a uh, room, I thought, to a better expression. Ben, really, really good benefits. Old advantage of that is that you know, we slept under the stars. I could hear the sound of streams and the river and deer screaming as well, and nothing else except for the odd person snoring. But it wasn't too bad, given I've got 10 men in with me in this lean-to. But no one had a very good night's sleep at all, incredibly cold. You were literally trying to get a bit of distance between yourself and your neighbour, and then halfway through the night you'd shuffle into them, and they'd shuffle into you, and you end up in a row of spoons. But it did keep us warm to a point. Most people got up at half four to build a fire and chat. I got up at seven, having just sort of drifted in and out of light sleeps. But yeah, we've got quite a big day ahead. We don't really know what it is because they don't give us much of a briefing. And everyone is feeling pretty tired. But let's see what the day brings. So massive high, having come off the Commando Gorge. And we all needed that lift because as you can hear... The morning was pretty difficult, having come from very little sleep. You know, you do drift off, but not much. You're sort of drifting in and out of sleep. But I want to replay you. It's a little bit of duplication, but replay you the clip that I recorded straight after we'd come off Commando Gorge when I realised that that's it for the day. It's half five, quarter to six. We're going back and we're going to be sleeping in a tent. The most exciting thing was not, and the thing we were fantasising about at night was not a hotel room or a, a beach, a hammock on a beach, or even our own beds. It was just to be back in the tent with a sleeping bag. That's all anyone really wanted. We weren't dreaming big. It was really quite funny. But yeah, we get off Commando Gorge, we're on an absolute high, dreaming of what we're going to do with our evenings because we're getting back to base. We've got a few hours to ourselves and we're going to be back in a tent. So here's my clip. Right, recording this on an absolute high, we have had a wicked day. So um, having spoken to you this morning, we went down, had breakfast, which was chicken sausage and baked beans in freeze-dried container. Delicious. Actually, it wasn't bad, given how hungry we are. We're on very tight rations, by the way. We've literally got enough food to keep us going, but no more, no extra calories. And yeah, and no, none at all for the challenge we've got coming up, but more on that in a second. But today, uh, we had to navigate to three separate points up some incredibly steep gradients, lots of climbing, lots of elevation. When we got to the top of one of them, there was a jelly baby each for us, which was a big highlight. And then we came down, that was most of the day, we came down about four o'clock and they'd set up this assault course for us in the gorge. 
called the Commando Gorge. The first thing we did was a commando crawl, which is where you get on a rope, which you might have seen in something like SAS Who Dares Wins, and you pull your arms. You're lying on the rope with one leg tucked on the rope and both hands forward pulling. So you push with the feet or the foot, pull with the arms. That was the first thing we did. Then we did uh, we were, had a safety rope and we climbed a rope up the side of the gorge. Then we did something called the um, Tyrolean Traverse, which is where you're lying under on a harness underneath the rope using your hand to propel you forward and then we finished off with an abseil and then you climb back down the gorge and come back and we got back tonight about six o'clock and most of our days have started at six or seven and finished at nine or ten it's just been bonkers and so now I don't even know what to do with myself with the time we've got it's 20 to 7 we're going to have our freeze-dried dinner and sticky toffee pudding, freeze-dried as well for pudding. And then we get to go to bed early, back in a tent, back in a sleeping bag, back in a sleeping bag liner, beyond excited about that. And tomorrow we set off at, we don't know what o'clock yet, we haven't been briefed, but it's going to be early. And we're left on our own for 30 hours. We're going to be sent off to various different RV rendezvous points. And ultimately, we have to get back to a specific point where we'll be rescued by dynamic vehicles, whatever that means. So when we've got no calories, because all our rations are gone, all we have is snacks if we've saved them, which I haven't. So I've got three isotonic drinks to manage my blood sugar. And I have snuck in a bar of dark chocolate. It's not against the rules, but they do like you to have as authentic experience as possible. So I have snuck in a bar of dark chocolate as well so I'm looking forward to that oh and Adam's stuck in some M&M's so we've agreed to share just uh, pool our resources so that's what we've got coming up tomorrow I will try and record again in the morning before we get going let you know how tonight goes but we're really looking forward to being back in the sleeping bags in the tent never so it feels like home I never thought I'd say that so that's it more in the morning so now we get to the final day we all had a lovely night's sleep in the in the tents and the sleeping bag, it's amazing. Just the little things, just a sleeping bag can make a huge amount of difference. And then the tarpaulin, never mind, you've got 10 other men in a tent with you and two of them are still tearing wood every night and snoring. Anyway, the final challenge is this. It's about 30 hours. You're got up in the morning and we're taken out to navigate to various different points. But the point of this is that the instructors have a very light touch. They have to be there for duty of care and insurance reasons, but they're not really getting involved. One of the activities was raft building, as you'll come to hear, and they want to hear your plan before you start building the raft, just because there isn't a huge amount of time in the day to keep getting it wrong. But other than that, you're down to it, building it yourself, and then you're on your way. And they did keep an eye on us. You know, we always knew that Land Rover was nearby, as in, you know, across the river a little way. You could see the headlights, but they don't get involved in what you're doing. So you're very much on your own. Which they're trying to simulate a real-life rescue situation as much as they can. So you've only got the rations that you, you've meted out, and if you haven't, you're going to be hungry. But they did give us some coordinates, as I'll come to talk about, where there is a cache of food. So these, this is my thoughts kind of immediately after that. So it's the morning of the final challenge and uh, we are... We got up at seven, had a really good sleep last night. It's amazing what a day out in the in the wilderness will do for getting you back in a tent and a sleeping bag and being really grateful for it. So uh, we had a short yomp, so a short walk, and then we stripped down to sports bra and knickers and crossed the river. First time we got really wet, did that. Uh, and actually, it wasn't too bad, quite a nice bracing start to the day. Not great having a wet sports bra and knickers, but uh, we pressed on after that. We got to the RV1 
which is really just to get us across the river and RV2 has brought us back to a stretch of water that we've just crossed. We're now having to build a raft to get down the rest of the river. It's a short stretch, but so we've got uh, thinking heads on as to how we're going to do that. Plan is to build two rafts, uh, six on one, five on the other, and distribute the weight across. So that's what we're up to currently. Spirits are good. We're looking for it's our last stretch. We're really putting things into practice now that we've learned. So excited about that. And yeah, I'll come back to you later. So the raft got us there. Both rafts stayed afloat, which is good news. And then we get, uh, essentially, we've rafted to our second RV point where they've left a box of blankets and we have to pack those and a few other bits and pieces, a little bit more paracord that we can tie and lash sticks together to make a, a lean-to and a bit of canvas and tarpaulin as well. So we distribute that across the group and we RV off to, sorry, we navigate off to our final RV point, RV3, which is where the camp's going to be built. It took us ages to find it. There was a lot of dispute over the route by now, sort of, you know, I would say patience is waning slightly amongst some of us, but on the whole, pretty good. But there was some dispute about the direction. The terrain was really difficult. It was on a slope and it was lumpy terrain. So you never knew whether your foot was, you know, ankle was going to be tested and all quite testing stuff when you've got wet feet and you've not had very much to eat and you've not had very much sleep either for four days. But we get to the campsite, we make camp. So Adam and I go off and we cast a fishing line. And we have a bit of a chat about what our thoughts are overall. And I'm going to play that for you right now. So here we are sitting by the river, 2.30 on day four. So we have less, easily less than 24 hours to go. But we've had a really amazing day. Currently, we're sitting, I'm sitting with Adam, who I've come with. I would have told you about at the start of the podcast. And we've just been foraging around for worms. Surprisingly hard to find worms. They're not the long gluttonous worms that I have in London. Don't know what your worms are like in Swansea, <laughs> but we won't get distracted with that. But we have managed to find two and cut them up and put them onto to the, the little hooks and they're in the river. So we're hoping they're catching us fish, but it's very easy to think this is a wonderful experience because the weather is so clement. There's, there's hardly any breeze at all. It's just beautiful, but it has been a really testing experience. I mean, how would you summarize it, your experience so far? Definitely testing, pushing us to the limits, pretty much. I mean, I don't normally even contemplate giving things up, but when my feet were stuck outside of the makeshift shelter we made <laughs> in wet socks and wet boots and the wind was whistling around and I seriously couldn't feel my yeah. toes. How, how close were you though? How close were you to, had one of the instructors come up and said, right, who's leaving? No, no, I wouldn't. I mean, I always think in our day-to-day -day lives, days pass us by the blink of an eye almost. You can go from one day to the next and it, it's all over too quick. You know, weeks fly by, months fly by. In fact, years really mm. do more nowadays than they do because you're in such a set routine. So if you actually break something down and you're going through something like I was then, well, do you know what? Tomorrow's going to come by pretty soon. Mm. It always does. So it's nothing to be that worried about. Yeah. There is an end in sight. You know, I was saying to someone earlier as well, we also have to stop, look around and have some gratitude because not everyone can afford to do this in terms of time or money. Not everyone is privileged to have this as an option to them. And we are. And whilst it's not everyone's cup of tea, you know, we have learned a great deal, seen some beautiful scenery, um, had some great conversations as well. And that's a privilege 
And it's easy to say when the weather's good, I get that, but it's still a privilege, I think, to be out here. What have you learned? What's the biggest learning? Huh. I don't know, working as a team's been really good. I didn't really expect it to be quite as much mm. teamwork. There's a team of 11 of us, and that's quite a big number. And when we joined up on this, I think you had the impression as well that it would be you and me. Yeah. You know, we'd learn stuff as a team, then then you'd break off and do it more, not in individuals, but in couples or threes or whatever. But it's been really a big team thing. And that's been really nice to do it that way because everyone's got their own character, their own skills, their own weaknesses. You build people up on their weaknesses and everybody has really wanted to pitch in and stuff they want to learn. Mm. And that's been brilliant. You know, you're you're asking me about knots and stuff. Yeah. It's things like that. And I'm, you know, I'm learning to sort of just mix in with the team and do everything that's asked of us. Mm. I think the team side of it has been one of the bigger learnings. You know, the foraging, all the things you can do, the ways of making fire, it's great to do it. Mm. That kind of thing, it, that kind of a skill will perish very, very quickly when I get home. Mm. But the team building one, that's something that, you know, I do a lot of team building stuff anyway, kind yeah. of with work, with the lifeboats. But it's nice to do it in this environment with completely different sets of people. Yeah. And I think for me, which is something that for those of you listening in, You'll have heard the, or you may have heard the episode about the Arctic Circle Race, and if not, I'll link to it in the show notes. But for me, I I really wanted to work on my mental endurance. I thought it was pretty good, but it was found sadly wanting in the Arctic Circle Race, although I did complete it, as everyone knows. This has been very much about mental endurance as much as anything. You've got four nights, either two of them in a tent or two of them completely exposed, really, bar a lean-to, in the Scottish Highlands, and we've had varying weather you're around people a lot, so introvert or extrovert, you know, you've got something to deal with there. You'll be given a lot of tasks, a lot of learning, sometimes quite rapid learning, and then an awful lot of walking, an awful lot of climbing, and quite physical endurance as well. But from the mental perspective, it's, it's being able to chunk that down, which is something I really wanted to practice. Chunking so that I didn't have a FFS moment or you know, have a bit of a meltdown as I did at points in the Arctic Circle. But really just kept my cool and kept my composure which I have done thus far throughout this so I think that's one of the big something I really wanted to work on and I thought what better than something like this to do it so I think that probably wraps up this little piece so we've got the afternoon here we're in camp now we've got the rest of the afternoon we need to work on our priorities which are protection rescue water fire so we've just cast a line for food but other people are building the shelter for protection the rescue will put SOS in stones and food, well, hopefully we'll catch some fish. If not, it does look to be a night of relative hunger. So anyway, that's it for now. I'll come back to you later and give you more of an update. So a little later on, we've built the main camp and Adam and I decided to break off and build our own shelter. And then we're given a set of RV points. So we're told to navigate to this point and then navigate to that point. So a subgroup of us go off and do that. And here's a little update I recorded shortly afterwards. 7.30pm on the last night, Adam and I have built our own shelter. So we've got a piece of corrugated iron that he's cleverly pegged in from multiple angles. So it's very unlikely to get blown over, but weather changes on a dime here. Uh, Then we've got a rug on the floor and an emergency shelter that we're going to be sleeping in. So a combination of the shelter, 
the windbreaker and body warmth hopefully will keep us reasonably warm on our last night. So we've just done two challenges. We were given rendezvous points, RV points. Uh, the first one took us to a hare hanging off a tree and enough potatoes to have one each in three separate pots. So we're pretty made up with that. And then the second RV point took us to a big pile of slow burning wood so we can have fires going throughout the night. And in half an hour's time, we're going to get another call with another RV point. So we'll have to do that in head torches to find who knows what else. But we're kind of hoping it would be our sleeping bags, but I suspect it won't be. So that's wishful thinking. In terms of how I'm feeling, I had a couple of sort of, I wouldn't call them low points, but kind of, oh, you know... I hope I don't get cold. I'm actually not hankering for a bed, believe it or not. I'm not hankering for a bath. I'm not hankering to be warm and cosy. All I really want is a sleeping bag. I am mean, I could do a night under the stars. All I really want is that sleeping bag, but very unlikely to happen. So plan is we've got the hair cooking. We've got the potatoes boiling and we're going to go out at eight o'clock, see what else they've got for us. And I suspect that'll be it for the night. And then an early start tomorrow and we have one final mountain summit and then we have the dynamic vehicle extraction and we're done. So looking forward to that. Got my eyes on the prize now, but still enjoying it. You know, it's, it's been good fun, primarily because the group's been great and we've had really good banter and it's just kept our spirits up. So that's it for now. We'll come back to you again in the morning. So spirit's pretty good then. And then we went to bed. So everyone uh, finishes up in the main camp. Oh, by the way, prior to that, we went to our final RV point to get a cache of stuff. So we got the hares and the potatoes and then the slow burning wood. RV three, however, was at 8 p.m. at night and it was much, much harder to find. When you plot a coordinate, there's about 50, 60, even 100 metres of area that that coordinate point relates to. So it's quite a big expansive area. And in the daytime, you've got a pretty good chance of finding it, especially if there's a few of you. But at night, different matter. Now, we thought we saw something that that looked, that sort of stood out for us on an island in the middle of the river. And Adam spotted it and a few other guys spotted it. And I said, no, they won't have us crossing that wider body of water at night. And we all agreed, no, they wouldn't. So we dismissed it. We didn't actually shine a torch onto the water to see how shallow it was. So we spent about an hour looking with our head torches on, with it really uneven underfoot. Eventually we said, yeah, we're going to need a clue. So we radioed through and they said, where do you think it is? And we said, well, we think it's the island. But And they said, well, go and have a look. And sure enough, you put your boot in the water and it's about, oh, it goes up to your halfway through your shin bone. So nothing at all, really. So we crossed that. And over there, they've it's called Skull Island. It's where they throw a lot of the, the deer skulls that are either culled or have died from other means. By the way, this is all set in a huge, huge 25,000 acre area of private land owned by a guy called Paul Lister, whose family bought the land basically and he allows people to come on and use it privately and he's trying to regenerate the land by planting more trees and reintroducing wolves potentially to address the ecosystem within the park it's actually a phenomenally interesting story anyway so these skulls are put there so they call it skull island and they'd fashioned a sort of macabre looking display and in the middle of it is a black bag with six mars bars six bananas and five apples in so happy days we bring that stuff back to camp so we eat that. So we've basically had a couple of bites of hair, a potato, half a Mars bar each, but we saved ours for the morning, half an apple and half a banana each, which we ate there and then. So that was basically supper, which is not bad for a survival situation. So Adam and I head off to our sub shelter, which doesn't have a roof. It has a corrugated iron, uh, as I explained in the clip, corrugated iron wind windshield. We're lying on the emergency shelter. So it's a very thin fabric and underneath a rug. And that went great until 10 to 3 when it started to rain 
And then Adam said to me, very quickly, we need to make a decision. Are we going to flip the rug now before it gets too wet? So we did. So we're now sleeping on the rug and in the emergency shelter, which was horrible. Clinging to you like a shower curtain, as I said, you know, it was just disgusting. It was an awful night. So I'd say that was my low point. I really, really didn't feel that great waking up that morning. But that's when the rescue situation starts. So this is how it goes. Seven in the morning, we turn the radio on and we radio through and they say to us, there's a search party out for you. You've got a, they're expected between an hour and a quarter and an hour and a half. You need to navigate to the highest point that is visible from Allerdale Lodge, which is where the rescue team are currently waiting for you and they will come and get you. But you've got a window of an hour and a quarter to an hour and a half. So we supplied them with various different coordinates and they kept saying negative, negative. And in the end, we were trying to avoid the highest point because no one really felt like doing a big climb. And in the end, we gave them the coordinates for the highest point and they said, confirmed, you've got an hour and 10 minutes to get up there, mobilise and go. Leave the area exactly as you found it, leave no trace. So we mobilise everyone, which is no mean feat when there's 11 of you that are all a bit tired and a bit pissed off and very cold. Two dropped out, one because he was a bit over it and the other one because he had a really bad knee injury. It just about got that far. So the nine of us set off and we're yomping at a fair old pace. Someone's on the radio constantly telling us to keep together, but we're actually two different groups really in terms of fitness levels. Uh, it was misty and the base couldn't actually see the bottom group. So we had to wait for them to gather up to catch us up. And you're just motoring and we're not going up a path. We're going up the quickest route up to the summit. So you're climbing over gorse and bracken and it's really arduous. I had slightly drunk legs just from being so tired and not paying so much attention to where I was placing my feet. It took about an hour and 10. I think we got up just in time to the summit where one of the instructors, Martin, was waiting for us. First man up was Mike, so he was given the flare. So he stood there and he held up the flare and the, and the nine of us stood on top of the mountain, let off this flare with our arms in the air and the yes, the international yes, I want help position, the Y shape. And that was great fun. And for some utterly bizarre reason, you know, it's so clever what the brain does to you, you know, with cognitive dissonance. For some utterly bizarre reason, I thought we just got to get to the top of this mountain. And then we're done. It's about 540 metres, so technically not a mountain, but we've just got to do that and we're done. I don't know what I was thinking. And it didn't help that there were helicopters whirring around. We couldn't see them. We could hear them. But I didn't think that they'd be able to land up there. But I, I don't know what I was thinking. So when Martin said, right, we've got to get down, you've got 20 minutes to get down, 20 minutes, I was quite surprised. Very odd. It's just, a, I think, being tired and hungry for so long. Anyway, we literally jogged down this this hill very, very quickly is really no thought as to where you were falling constantly, getting up and just cracking on again, slipping, doing some of it on your bum. Absolutely nuts. It was like a blur. And then when you get to the end of that, we come to this huge gorge, massive, massive, probably an 80 foot drop, probably 80 foot across as well. And we're clipped in. Adam went first. I went second. Actually, Tommy went first. Adam second. I third. You're clipped in and you're doing another Tyrolean rope crossing to get to the other side. And it happens very, very quickly. There's really no, you know, ordinarily, I quite like to just take my weight in the harness and just check the carabiners, even though it's been done professionally for me. You don't bother with any of that. You literally just hurtle across there using your arms and all your muscles and kicking your legs to get across on that Tyrolean rope crossing as quickly as you can. You're very quickly unstrapped from the other side, sent up another short hill, bundled into a Jeep, and 10 minutes later, you're back at the lodge and you don't know what's happened. You're stood there, still in your harness, still in a helmet, just kind of like, what just happened? All of that has just happened in about two hours. I've gone from being in a camp to having climbed 540 metres to sprinting down the most steep, fast side of the hill. 
and then across the Tyrolean rope crossing, up another hill, into a jeep and back. And it's happened like that. It felt really weird. And then I made it even worse by having a cup of coffee when I don't drink caffeine. So I just felt completely spaced out and wired. And that was the end of the experience. That was the end of the five days. It was an epic way to finish. And just, just an amazing experience, really, to have gone through all of that, to kept spirits high. The way we worked as a team was really amazing. I think that's one of my, my highlights is how we worked as a team. No one was particularly negative. No one really lost their shit. You know, we all had moments where things were a little bit fraught, perhaps, especially when we didn't necessarily agree on the direction we were going and everyone was tired. But it was an extraordinary, extraordinary experience. Very humbled by nature. You know, it's a real privilege to be in amongst that land and those hills. Just feeling like like something, I was in part of something that was much, much bigger than me. I think that was, was one of the things as well. And coming off the back of that, you know, three, four days back, I got back at half 12 on Monday night, technically Tuesday morning, and it's now Thursday afternoon that I'm recording this. The feelings have settled a bit and I do feel a little stronger mentally, certainly. You know, I, I felt that I didn't perform very well in the Arctic and I definitely perform well on the Bear Grylls experience. I've got even more used to discomfort. I feel a little bit more confident in my own abilities, which was a pretty good confidence anyway humbled in a way, grateful for the opportunity. And, you know, both Adam and I said that we kind of missed people a little bit when we came back as well. So all of those kind of feelings, but I am delighted to have done it. It's something I would recommend for anyone who wants to test their mettle, be out in nature. You know, you don't have a phone for five days. So that in itself was really enjoyable as well. I did have it for voice recordings and for the camera, but there was no way it was, you were going to get a signal for at least an hour if traveling by Jeep. So so that's kind of a summary of the experience, really. It's it's a great example of what can happen when you get into your discomfort zone and just being part of something that's much, much bigger than yourself, basically. And I definitely recommend that you think about doing something like that on a, you know, whatever scale or side of the scale that you're willing to, to entertain. It might be something as extreme as that, though the Bear Grylls Survival Academy, we'll link to their website in the show notes, they do offer 18-hour, 24-hour, three-day challenges as well. So really, really great. I think for kids, you've got to be 18 to go on the course, but they do do kids' courses. Fantastic thing to do. I learned so many practical skills, you know, how to carve a tent peg using my knife, how to chop wood and to just whittle wood as well, and just knife skills, rope skills, tying knots, all stuff that's really practical, or at least should be. And it sparked a bit of a, an idea in me as well for something else that I could do, another string that I can add to my bow. So I hadn't really thought that there were people that make their careers out of adventure. And I'm certainly not moving away from my company body shop, but it's given me a few ideas of what else I could do to, you know, to fulfill some of my true passion and purpose, which is around adventure and being a good role model for kids as well. So it's given me a number of ideas. So I hope you've enjoyed that. I appreciate that's not for everyone, but there is something we can all do just to stretch ourselves, but something that's both educational and also metal testing. So I'll link to everything I've talked about in the show notes. If you've got any questions around this or you, you want to talk to me about your own experiences, I'd love to hear about it. Send me an email to leanne, L-E-A-N-N-E at bodyshotperformance.com. If you're watching this through social media, then of course, leave us a comment. And other than that, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you next week. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. 
And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.